good morning and welcome here. My name is Luke, and I get to serve as the pastor here. It's good to have you here on a brisk uh, Easter morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements, and Joanne is going to share a couple of announcements as well. And uh, as she's coming up, just wanted to remind you that the MCC sale is April uh, 1st, uh, 1 and 2, and so that's coming up soon. And also, just to let you know, um, we are going to do a children's message today. Uh, after, the, uh, after the offertory, we'll be inviting the kids to come forward. I know some of you are, like, young at heart and all. That doesn't count. You have to actually be a kid. And, uh, but so we'll be doing a, a children's message after the offertory. Highlight two announcements on the back of your bulletin. Um, one is that we will be uh, having our Wednesday night live. Uh, the, the last Wednesday night live will be April 6th. There's only two Wednesdays left. And we, we want to make it a really fun night. So we're planning some fun family games for um, our preschoolers through fifth grade. And we invite everybody to attend. And we especially want parents, if you don't normally come on Wednesday night, we'd love for you to join your family. And we'll be doing some minute-to-minute games. And uh, we'll be having a, a representative from Timberlake Camp come and share. And just um, and then we'll end the evening with ice cream. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And even if you don't have kids that participate, we'd love for you to join us. So we've had an excellent group of kids this year, um, probably about 35 kids coming from first grade to fifth grade every week. And as I shared at the beginning of in September, probably half of these kids don't um, have families that attend a home church on a regular basis. So um, my heart has really been, what, where do these kids go then during the summer? Because when we end our Wednesday night program, then they, they don't have an opportunity to hear on a regular basis a lot of times um, just some uh, get some uh, growth, spiritual growth from the Bible. So we have two things that we'd really like to um, work on this year for them. As, and I forgot to bring the Bible story book. Can I bring it back up? My kids are looking at it right now. It's the Jesus Bible story book, and some of you are familiar with it. She doesn't want to give it up because she loves it. <laughs> it's, we want to provide at our family fun night a Bible story book, a Jesus Bible story book for each family. And it's an, if you haven't read it before, it's amazing. Every story in the Bible points towards Jesus. It kind of brings it around to Jesus and gives the kids a kind of an overview of the whole Bible and why we have the Old Testament and how that points to Jesus and whatnot. So we've been reading through this before Easter every night, and the kids love it. So we want to give each family one of these and then challenge them to read as a family through the summer um, the stories through the Bible. So that's one way we can help connect them to um, Jesus at home. And then we also want to encourage several of our kids to experience camp at Timberlake. So the camp experience for me was a powerful way to connect me to Jesus and um, grow my walk with Jesus. And we know that several of our kids probably did find it difficult financially to attend. Um, so camp sponsorship for a week is $275, which is quite a bit. But I have been convicted lately that my vision should not be hampered by finances. So <laughs> I want to bring that before you and just challenge you, if you want to help a kid go to camp, talk to me, and we'd love to send them to camp this summer. So you can help either with Bibles or a camp, camp sponsorship. Thank you. Who 
would you please stand with me as we uh, do an opening prayer? Heavenly Father, Easter is one of the most spectacular holidays of the year. Lord, on this day, we intentionally remember that, uh, that by the cross, you changed eternity for, for millions of people. All of humanity was affected by that moment. And we give you thanks and praise. Lord, we want to live our lives with a sense of gratitude and awe and appreciation and excitement that stems from Easter and what it was that you did. We welcome you here this morning, Lord. Ask you to lead, guide, speak, convict, encourage, inspire, lead. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. What a joyous day it is to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Please stay standing as we begin our song. a place where mercy reigns and never 
Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to love, to heal, and to live. He bled and died so that we may have life with you. What an amazing gift. You love us so much to sacrifice your own Son. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Help us to go through each and every day sharing the amazing message that we have life in you. In your name. Well, at this point in the service, we always like to take a few minutes and just spend some time in prayer. So I'd ask you to, to join me in a few minutes of uh, silent prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we, as we pray together this morning, we want to take just a few minutes to just silently just say thank you for what you did at the cross. 
so good and you are so great, Lord. And we want to praise you, honor you. You are our holy and mighty God. suffering, even a sin that we are struggling with, God, that thing that's heavy on our heart, we just, we bring it before you, we just honestly stand and be made in it, we lay it at your feet, Lord, if there is any way that we have grieved your Holy Spirit this last week, as you please. However you would lead, we would follow it. Lord, in our whole lives, be spent glorifying you, honoring you, showing your truth to others. Lord, we love you. Amen. Have a good night.
I'd like to invite all the children to come up, and you aren't going to want to miss this because we're going to be doing a little science experiment up here. So if you could come up and sit on the stairs facing your parents so that you can see the table, okay? Can sit right up there. Good, we got a good crowd today. And Pastor Luke's going to be my Vanna White. He's going to demonstrate it for you, okay? <laughs> Had to say that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, kids, this morning, what what are we celebrating today? Easter. You got it. And you all look so wonderful today. And what do what do we celebrate at Easter? What's what's Jesus is resurrection. What does that mean, Owen? Then he came back to life. Exactly. So, but we're going to talk a little bit about the things that happened before he came back to life. What happened before he came back to life? He got crucified on the cross, right? And we're going to talk about that today. And we have a little demonstration here to kind of demonstrate what it means for you and me when Jesus came back, or when he died on the cross. So we're going to use some of these objects to help us explain it, okay? So first of all, Pastor Luke's going to get a penny. And that's going to represent all of us. <laughs> you and me, all the people that lived when Jesus lived, all the people that lived, live now, and all the people that haven't even been born yet. That's what this represents, okay? So imagine people are the pennies, okay? And then he's going to take that blue water, and that's going to represent sin. And it's going to cover you and I, because the Bible tells us that when we're born, we were all sinners, right? Even though we might try to be the best we can be, it we are still sinners. So you can see that the sin covers the sin. I know. I hope this works. Okay, now we're going to get the white candle. Guess what that might represent? What do you think, Ava? Jesus, you got it. And he's going to light the candle because Jesus is the light of the world, right? Yeah. And he came into our messy, sinful world to be with us, right? Okay. And then something happened to Jesus, right? People didn't like him. They didn't like what he said. And they started to kill him. And so Pastor Luke's going to take the jar going to cover it, and you'll notice that something's going to happen to the jar. Good. This is to represent how Jesus died, and he gave up his life for us. Thank you, Pitch. You're not doing that on purpose. (laughs) It worked at home, let me tell you.
We've been working through some of the I am statements that Jesus makes. In the book of John, there's uh, seven distinct times where Jesus says I am, and then he uh, incorporates some kind of analogy to, to help us understand who he is. It's actually, there's eight statements, if you include the time where he says, before Abraham was, I am. And some actually consider that statement the entire center of, of John, uh, which is a, a fascinating idea. But the one that I want to look at today occurs uh, in John 11:25, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, what you need to uh, understand, though, <coughs> excuse me, is that that statement happens within the context of the story of Lazarus. And I, I want to read that story to you out of, out of here. But first, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a summary so you, you kind of know what to, what to look for or what we're going to encounter. 
So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were all siblings, and Jesus loved all of them. Uh, scripture speaks, speaks kind of well of that relationship. And so they were very close to him. Uh, Lazarus gets sick, and so the sisters send word to Jesus to come help because they know that Jesus could heal Lazarus. But Jesus intentionally delays his visit until after Lazarus dies. Um, once Lazarus has passed away, then Jesus goes to help. The sisters are understandably upset, um, but they don't know that Jesus' plan, really, from the beginning, was to do this, was to let Lazarus pass, then to raise him from the dead. And, uh, and afterwards, everyone's amazed and happy, and even more people follow Jesus. This is how it reads. I, I'm going to read uh, quite a few verses here. Um, uh, John 11, uh, starting just in verse 1. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Um, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Uh, and they're going, and are, you're going to go there again? Uh, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant uh, taking rest and sleep. They said, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let us go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come from Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I want to skip ahead to verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, 
But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth, and he said to them, unbind him and let him go. Amen. So, so Jesus waits until he knows that Lazarus is dead. When Jesus arrives, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. Uh, Jesus has missed Lazarus being sick. He has missed the funeral. He has missed visiting hours. He has missed the graveside service. Everything. Jesus missed everything, and he shows up late. Lazarus is wrapped up in a tomb, big rock rolled in front of the tomb. It's done. It's over. His body is in the ground. Just a lot of people who are grieving and some who are arguably justifiably upset with Jesus because he could have done something, but he kind of diddle-dallied around, and now we have this. Four days in the ground confirms that Lazarus was dead. I mean, even if you're healthy, you know, go about three days without water. So, you know, four days wrapped up in a tomb pretty well seals the deal. And throughout the story, Jesus is deeply moved. I mean, it's in, it's in this, we skipped this part, but it's within the story where, where we find the, the shortest verse, Jesus wept. And it's actually interesting because after Lazarus rises from the dead, there is so much um, activity around that and so many people believe in Jesus because of that that the leaders actually plot to kill him or to have him killed. And we actually don't know how that story ends. Uh, um, it, it, verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And then, of course, within this, Jesus makes his fifth I am statement. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In this story, Jesus claims to be the resurrection, and then he proves that he has this kind of power, right? Uh, My previous pastor, my pastor before I came here, Dan Nicholson, said something about this this passage that I just, I love. I love it, love it, love it, and I want to share it with you. But he said, had Jesus not clarified Lazarus, every tomb within earshot would have emptied itself. Had Jesus only said, come out, Every tomb within earshot would have emptied himself. Jesus literally had to clarify, literally had to say, okay, at this point, I'm only speaking to Lazarus. I want you to come out. Everyone else, I just need to stay put for a while. We'll get to you later on, like when I come the second time. But for now, just Lazarus, come out. Had Jesus not clarified his statement, Lazarus, come out, every tomb within earshot would have emptied itself. The resurrection power of Jesus is so strong that really nothing can resist it. And that includes our lives. Maybe you feel like your life is pretty great. Maybe your life is so messed up that it's dung beetles, floss beetles, right? That's what you're in right now. But whatever your situation is, good, bad, uh, whatever mess you've gotten into, uh, however good things seem to be going, Jesus specializes in resurrection. Now, I mean, I guess I don't know all of your story, so maybe this is a bold statement, but I am sort of presuming that none of you can really relate to Lazarus. Um, I mean, since you're here and you're not dead, um, I don't think any of you have gone through that process. Um, 
Well, we did have that one Sunday where I thought that guy died on New Year's Eve. It was like the second Sunday I was here. Some of you guys know what I was talking about, Rick Carter Ambulance. All I could think was they never showed me in seminary history when someone dies and they're like on the ground. He's good. He's fine. He's fine. Don't worry. Here's the Dyson Mask. So even though you can't relate to Lazarus, though, you can probably relate in some capacity to Mary and Martha, or at least the family name. They had sent for Jesus. Jesus intentionally delayed because he had other plans. First thing Martha says, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. First thing Mary says, verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean, I don't know the tone they said it with, but there's probably some frustration that's there because they looked to Jesus for help and Jesus let them down. And even though that we, we know that kind of in our mind that that's not our truth, oftentimes that feels like our reality. Like how many of you just like feel like you can relate to, no show of hands, but you just feel like you can kind of relate to that at certain times where you said, Lord, help, and you got nothing in response. Now, there are times, granted, where we just pray for stupid stuff, right? Lord, I'd like to win the lottery without playing the lottery. That is yet the real answer to my life. Other times we just treat God like a vending machine. But for Mary and Martha, who were close friends to Jesus, they were saying, if you had shown up when I wanted you to show up, none of this would have happened. And now things are horrible because you didn't show up the way that we asked you to show up. And if anyone had ever earned the right to ask Jesus for something, these close friends whom Jesus loved was probably at that top of that list. Jesus did more healings than we will ever know. There are times where he did so many healings, Scripture doesn't even bother with the details. Scripture just says he healed their sick, or all their sick, or he was out really late at night healing a lot of people and casting out demons. Like It was just so prolific, Scripture just skips mass sections of his healing ministry. Of resurrections, I'm aware of three. Now, when he died, there were several people that came to life, which is a pretty funny thing for us to reflect on and how that all went down. But in Jesus' ministry, I'm only aware of three. There was a widow's son, there was a young girl, and there was Lazarus. So two kids and Lazarus. Those are the only ones I'm aware of. And as such, this story of Lazarus is famous beyond famous. I mean, when I say the word Lazarus, you think, guy rises from the dead. For Mary and Martha, they got a story that few will ever experience. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. They didn't get what they wanted, but they got far more than, than what they'll ever see in their lifetime. And actually, if you want a whole list of stories of people who, who hoped for something in God, but even did not receive that until after they passed away, Hebrews 11 has got a pretty impressive list. Just read Hebrews 11 carefully. So some of you, life is hard right now. And, and we could use more colorful terms, but we're just going to stick with hard. And it's, and it's kind of interesting, I, the, the role that the sinning and, and suffering and, and how the two are, are intertwined. Sometimes we, we're, we're suffering because we're sinning. And if we just ease off the sinning, we'd be able to ease off our suffering. Sometimes we're suffering because someone else is sinning. 
I've had a cold all week long. Why? Because Adam sinned in the garden and disease entered the world. Thank you, Adam. Sometimes our, our suffering is rough, and it's just part of life, and we're not handling it well, and so we're sinning as a result of it. The, the two are, are intertwined in amazing ways. But oftentimes, whether the, the sin or the suffering, the big question is, where is God right now? And where is Jesus in all this? There, there are so many times where I've interacted with, 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 with people and just in, in, in broken memories and, and hurt pasts and things that were difficult. My number one question that I go to is, all right, where was God in that? You know, let's just spend some time praying, journaling, thinking, asking God, where were you in that? Because when we understand where God was in that, it changes everything. What happens when your life does not feel like the resurrection? What do you do when you're the guy or the gal who's struggling with the same sin or the same depression or the same illness? When is enough going to be enough? You've asked Jesus for help, but it still feels like he's just kind of still hanging out on the far side of the Jordan River with some plan that he is not letting you know about. Take rest in this, that because Jesus is the resurrection, your struggle with sin and suffering does not mean that you are struggling for God's favor. And, and if you can clamp onto that concept, it will change your entire life. Your struggle with sin and suffering does not mean that you are struggling for God's favor. We, I, let's, we, I need to cover a little bit of theology here, okay? And this is, this is all going to come around. You'll, some, you'll appreciate this in the end. But three, three words that we need to cover today. Justification, sanctification, glorification. And the really smart people kind of argue over some of the details. But big picture, they're all in agreement. Justification. Justification is the moment in time where you became justified before the Father. In, in that sliver of time, your legal standing before God changed from, from sinner and criminal to beloved son. It was a moment, it was an event, it was a transition when you were justified. God declared you just. He declared you perfect. And this is because you had faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason you now stand justified is because when God looks at you, he now sees his perfect son. So we have the moment of justification. Then we have the process of sanctification. Slightly different usage in Old Testament and New Testament. But in the process of sanctification, you are growing. You are becoming more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is working with you. Scripture is changing you. Community is refining you. You are conforming to look more and more like Christ. And incidentally, on, on, on the whole sanctification, can we, can we actually maybe just redefine the word blessed while we're at it? To be blessed is to be more like Christ. Anything that causes you to be more like Christ is a blessing in your life. A blessing has nothing to do with cars and houses and vacation and, and kids that won the prom contest thing, whatever. All of that's going to pass. None of that is going to join you in heaven. To be blessed is to grow in the things that follow us into heaven. To be blessed is to become more like Christ. That is why we look with bewilderment at people who are going through terrible suffering and they say, I'm blessed right now. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It's because they understand 
somehow through this process we're becoming more of a Christ. And then that's going to follow next. Sanctification is a process. Glorification is the moment when you enter heaven and, and you're made perfect forever in a singular moment. Right? So we have justification as an event, a moment in time. We have glorification, an event, a moment in time. In between, we have sanctification, the process. When the moment of justification happened, God became 100% pleased with you. And maybe some of you are good with that, and you could just, like, sneak out the back door right now. Because that just, just blew your mind, okay? If you were 98% pleased with you, you probably wouldn't be getting into heaven. And the reason that, that God is 100% pleased with you is that when he looks at you, he does not see your inadequate righteousness. He sees the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus, because when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And here's where people get this messed up is because people attempt to go through the process of sanctification, struggling with their sin and their suffering, becoming more like Christ, and they see it as a means of earning God's favor or love. And, and those that, that do have forgotten or perhaps they've just never understood that when that moment of justification happened, God's little love dial thing got set at maximum and was just left there. Okay? It's just, it's, it, it doesn't kind of fluctuate with your mood. It just got turned to high and was left there at that moment of justification. And what that means then is that as we go through this process of, of sanctification, of struggling with our, our sin and our suffering, it's something we do out of gratitude and love and, and appreciation because he first loved us. And so now we love him. Folks, God's love is set. It's established. It's on high. It's what you got when you got in the door. It cannot be earned. It does not go up and down based on your perspective of your morality. In your struggle with sin and suffering, you are not struggling for God's favor. People who try to earn God's favor, they end up depressed or proud. Either proud because they think they're just hitting it out of the park or depressed because they think they're doing a horrible job. Both are incorrect. When you forget about the love that happened at the moment of justification and you turn it into this grading scale in the process of sanctification, then people start expecting payment for their good Christian hard work. I deserve to have a husband and kids. I deserve to have more money. I deserve to not have so much conflict in my family. I deserve to not have a baby. I deserve, I deserve. And rather than expressing thanks for what we have here and express dissatisfaction for what we don't have. Jesus rose from the dead, and in doing so, he took all our sins upon himself. And now when God the Father looks at you, or those who have accepted salvation, he sees your son, his sacrifice, and he loves you completely. And that is what it means for Jesus to be the resurrection. That is why people who believe in him don't die, right? They don't die in their sins. Stop trying to earn his love or his favor because he is the resurrection and that's better. 
like this little nice love dot, knob, dial, whatever, that turns up and it just upsets you. Now, this doesn't mean you're perfect. You still need to work on your issues. I have issues. We're alive, so you have issues. Right? You have your own blindness, your own suffering that you're trying to wade through. Some are new, some have been around for a while. But we do that out of gratitude, not as a means of paying Between the moment of justification and the moment of glorification, we work with the Holy Spirit, with Scripture, in community, on the process of sanctification. We work on becoming more like Christ. We struggle with sin. We struggle with suffering. We do not struggle to earn God's favor or to earn God's love. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And what this means is that at that moment of justification, God views you with full and complete love and love that was set to the highest price. And out of that secure place of identity, we pursue Christ-like character in the process of sanctification without fretting what our grades are. We just keep working at it. Because when you understand the resurrection power of Jesus, when you understand that God loves you completely and that it does not fluctuate with, with your mood, you begin to live a completely different life. You know what makes a healthy adult? People who are loved as children and secure in their identity. You want to know what makes a healthy Christian? People who understand that they are loved and they are secure in their identity. People who understand that, that the perfect and complete love of God that got them in the door at the moment of justification and then they spend the rest of their life enjoying the process of sanctification. Because becoming more like Christ is a good thing. And it can actually be a fun thing. Talk about discipline. It's like heavy pedaling. Becoming more like Christ is something that we get to do. It's something that is a blessing to us. Let Jesus be your resurrection life. Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you and God, if we have not fully embraced this concept that that you are 100% pleased with us and that 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 happened at the very beginning, Lord, we want to repent and apologize for that wrong understanding. And God, we ask that, that you would lead us into truth and into a right understanding. God, we know that we still struggle with sin. We know that we still struggle with, with suffering, and God, we, we commit to, to working on those, to growing in those. We need your Holy Spirit. We need the truth of Scripture. We, we need the refining place of community to, to, to help us. We need the support. But, Lord, in that process, we're not earning something from you because your love and your favor are already in us. God, we want to move and work from that place secure identity in Christ. And so it's all of life with just this phenomenal identity. And you love us as children. And Lord, we receive your grace and mercy. Lord, if this is the first time that we receive your salvation, God, we want to step into that step.
Let's Rise for the last song. Um, this can be found in your hymnal on page 373. As we leave this place today, I encourage you to remember not only today but every day the message of Jesus Christ and to reach out to someone this week who may not know the message. And I pray that we are disciples this week who spread the amazing news to others. dismissed.